Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. All right. Uh, are you ready, Mr. Hans? I am ready, Mr. Windhorse. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, and one. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We are deep in the first round. The first round's almost over. Um, interesting things happening. Uh, we got the A team here. Um, in Boston is Jackie McMullen, and in Dallas, taking a respite uh, after covering the Jazz Rocket series is Band McMahon. Jackie, uh, we're f- uh, recording this late Thursday night, and uh, it's been mm-hmm. a uh, a sad night for you, I would assume. Um, yeah. Hondo, John Havlicek, uh, passing tonight. Yes, and um, I challenge anyone to find someone that didn't like John Havlicek, just revered by his teammates because, you know, he was a sixth man before we even know what a sixth man was, um, was a Hall of Famer doing so. Uh, and the thing that I just, everyone always says about him was, just wore you out. Uh, Brian, because he'd run circles around you, baseline to baseline, in impeccable condition, never a hair out of place. It's uh, it's funny, you know, trying to talk to some of the old Celtics tonight, and that that's one of the, the reoccurring themes. The her, the jersey hung just so, you know. Max shared a uh, Cedric Maxwell shared a story with me about watching him, you know, take the same layup in the same layup line before every game, and then leaning against one particular side of the stanchion. So Max was in his first year, and Havlicek was in his last, and he figures, well, I'm going to start doing that. And Havlicek says, stop doing that. And Max says to him, well, what the heck? You know, you're like a Hall of Famer. I'm going to do whatever you do. <laughs> so, but obviously, you know, Havlicek stole the ball, one of the most iconic moments in Boston Absolutely. sports history. But he was more than that, really. He was, because he was such a great defender, uh, a, a beautiful shooter, uh, and a guy that just could run all day long and wear you down to the nub. And uh, But more than that, I never covered John. I uh, was still in college when he ended his career, but he was around all the time. And he treated me with such great respect. And I thought, my goodness, I know why I'm treating you with great respect. I have no idea why you're offering me the same. Well, you know why? Because he was a gentleman. He was just a wonderful person that gave everybody the benefit of the doubt. And everybody here is really shaken tonight. I don't, uh, he has been ill. But I don't think people expected this, so it's 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 really a, a bad day for everybody here in Boston. Number seventeen's number is hanging in the rafters. Also, won a Finals MVP, which I did not remember slash know until I saw the obit tonight. Well, that's um, the thing, you know, because he, you know, there was so many great players before him, during him, and after him. He and he was fine with that, you know. But it's kind of he remind, it, it reminds me a little bit of Sam Jones in that regard. There were so many supernova players on the on the Celtics, Koozie, Russell, Bird, um, he and he overlapped with all of those, that it, it was easy for someone like him to, you know, to get past him. He was a four-time All-NBA first-team player. Oof. I mean, and this That's is a guy a that came off, to the, came off to the bench, came off the bench for a significant amount of his career. Um, so, well, uh, farewell to Hondo. I'm sure the Celtics will have a We'll honor him in the oh, uh, sure. first home game. You bet. Uh, game three. Um, right. Well, uh, I want to move past that for now. Uh, McMahon, a minute ago, you were just telling us you're in Dallas tonight, uh, but you got to go uh, to San Francisco tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why is that, sir? Well, the Rockets, you know, Daryl Moore is a math guy, and they're playing the probabilities. And look, I mean, really, the the fact it's such a quick turnaround between series, not for them because they finished up uh, theirs in five, but for the Warriors or Clippers, whoever comes out of that, well, certainly if if it's the Warriors, they put the Rockets in this awkward spot. If if the Warriors close out the Clippers on Friday, then game one is Sunday afternoon, 1230 uh, Pacific time. (laughs) uh, Pacific. Yeah, specifically, it's twelve thirty Pacific time, um, and so they want to get out there. They want to get adjusted to West Coast time. They want to have a practice in the Oracle uh, on Saturday, 
These were the plans that were in place uh, before, you know, the, the Clippers. Okay, uh, 30 seconds time work. out here. 30 mm-hmm. seconds time out here. Let's say that the, that the Clippers win game six. Are they still going to practice in Oracle on Saturday? Uh, that's their plan, unless the Warriors <laughs> unless the Warriors veto. They'll practice in the Bay Area. The plans that they're practicing at Oracle on Saturday, and so if that happens, you know they'll practice. They hope in the in, in Oracle, perhaps in you know another spot in the, in the Bay Area. They'll stick around. They'll probably practice. I assume they'd have another practice on Sunday, and you know it, it would be great though if it was like you know sometimes in uh, in in March Madness where you have the the team that's already won that comes out and watches the uh, the other two teams. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, like, that's funny. Like if the Clippers win, well, first off, Jackie, um, I guess I get it, but have you ever seen this before? I've never seen it. I feel like if they did it, they just didn't announce it. Maybe. <laughs> well, the, the problem is it's going to get out because sure. Like, no, you know, I'm asking, you know, Jonathan Fagan from the Houston Chronicle, where, hey, if where, a, where, if you, an NBA where are you team, practicing? Like, where, you know, an, they're going to have practice. If they practice, they have to have access. If the NBA right. team, if an NBA team is in town, it's not, it's going to get out. Sure. In 2019. Mm-hmm. Do you blame the Rockets? I don't blame them. I no, because, because the, the alternative is you wait. Okay. Uh, well, let's watch this game on Friday and boy, it's a late tip. So then you can't, and then your whole Saturday is a travel day, and then you got to turn around and play on Sunday. For them to give themselves the best possible chance to be prepared for game one, this is the way they had to do it. And look, if, if, I mean, what are the odds that the Clippers come back and win the series? They're pretty slim, but if that's the case, then the Rockets just pack back up, head back to Houston, and they, you know, they, they, they'll host the Clippers in game one. Now, as far as the perceived disrespect, all that stuff, you know, it's 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 awkward, especially given the history and some of the ties between the Rockets and Clippers. But if it, if the Clippers really have a problem with it, then the next time the Rockets see him, they can send Austin Rivers through one of those secret tunnels, <laughs> and he can talk to he can talk to his dad, he can talk to his former teammates, and hopefully smooth things over. Well, is there any secret tunnels in Oracle? Because maybe all three teams will, like you said, like uh, you know, <laughs> like Jackie, March Madness. Jackie, yeah, that would be so funny. <laughs> what's the etiquette here? Let, let's just say the Clippers win. What's the etiquette? Uh, are Hard and Chris Paul sitting fourth row on Sunday, or are you keeping a low profile? Oh, I'm at the game. I'm at the yeah. game. Of course you are. And I, I, I don't know. Was, hey, I'll say I, this: those those tickets are pretty expensive. Those Warriors I, playoff tickets. I think they'll even, be able even on to a max them. contract. Uh, I, don't I think know. they'll be able to get them. Well, that's right because Austin Rivers does have a hook up there. So, <laughs> so all right then. Yeah, now, yeah. calm, calm yourself right down. Yeah. I know it's late. That doesn't mean we turn into an R-rated. <laughs> yeah, podcast. yeah. The, I hadn't even thought about the Rivers connection. No, now. I'm saying from his his dad can hook him up with tickets. I, I, I know. Now let now let me ask you this question. Jackie, we know that Doc has, and I don't know if he was the first to do this, but he's the first I ever heard doing it. Um, and Ty Lu did this uh, because he was with Doc. When, when the Cavs were down 3-1 and they won game five in Oracle, he took the Doc Rivers thing, took $100 from everybody, put it in the ceiling. It's like coming ceiling. back. Yeah. We're coming yeah. back to get our money. Now, here's the question. Let's say the Warriors, let's say Doc did that, and the Warriors end up closing the series out. Friday night. Does Doc have Austin go retrieve the money? <laughs> because it's all like you can come back and get it next year because Oracle's, you know. That's a good point. Good point. But yeah. you know what else, man? Like that story is a great story, but that was during the regular season. Uh-huh. And, and you can't, you can't. Oh, that's like, that's oh, like having so a hold sequel. On. So hold yeah. on. So Doc assumed that a team would win not just a playoff series, but multiple playoff series. Kind of like. The Rockets are assuming, I mean, going out on this huge limb, <laughs> that this dynasty would find a way to win one of two games against an eight seed. Oh, the disrespect. Now, will Pat Beverly perceive it as disrespect? Obviously. I mean, yeah, Pat he, Beverly perceives it everything as disrespect. Right, yeah, Lou right. Williams, Montrezl Harold, the guys that they got in the CP3 trade. Look, I mean, it's not like they weren't going to be motivated anyways, but it is a little fun, you know, extra storyline. <laughs> And yeah, you know, so Daryl loves this. This is what Daryl's all about. This it's fine. It's yeah, I'm sure. I reached out to Daryl and said, "Hey, you know, do you want to kind of say anything?" And he's just like, "Nope, we're just doing what we think's best to yeah. give our team a chance." To, you know, he he felt yeah. no need to like smooth it over. He's like, 
Yeah, Daryl doesn't care about offending people. I think the not at all. I think Quite the, the opposite, actually. I agree. I, think he, I has, agree. he likes to poke the bear. I think that's true, and uh, especially if they somehow win Game One, he can hold that over everyone's head for years. But the the thing that I think is they probably had a discussion. What's the downside to this? We may have a little egg on our face, but the upside is we're you know we're in a better position to, to be yeah, successful. We're, we're acclimated. We're where we need to be. Yeah. So, McMahon, I have something that happened tonight that was a strange crossover. Um, so, uh, the Cleveland Indians are, were playing in Houston tonight. They won 2-1. to one. All right. Uh, Indians. So, Carlos Carrasco, one of their starters, uh, I believe he's been an all-star, posts a picture on his Instagram tonight of James Harden. Apparently, he ran into James Harden with his daughter, and his daughter posed for a picture with James Harden. And it was in like a, some sort of, I think it was a hotel lobby or something in Houston. Uh-huh. Okay, lovely, you know, cool, two professional athletes, you know, crossing paths. And it's cool. James Harden has a big, giant, huge wrap on his left wrist with what looks like a pound of ice under it. On his left wrist? So That's now, interesting and new. So let me just say that I am cognizant that sometimes photos get flipped. You know, in social media, and I and I will I will just say that I this, that is very possible that it's one of those flipped photos. But looking at the photo, he has got a giant thing on his left wrist. I know okay. he had a right wrist injury. Yeah, he's going to Carlos, been dealing with it. F- I don't know how to spell Carrasco. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> his nickname Sorry, is the I'm sorry. Um, anyway, I just want to point out that over the last Cookie years, Carrasco. Here's here's that's old Cookie. Uh, wow. Oh, oh you... okay. And I'm trying. I'm looking for clues. No, nope, the the, uh, it, the Indians on her shirt is is oh, the right good. way. I yeah, so that, that is okay. very interesting. W- that and is it's, definitely that's a, something new. And that's a significant size. Ice or something pack, right? That's no like, oh, just wearing a wrap around my wrist. There's something going on there, right? Yeah, I mean, it certainly looks like. At at the minimum, he's icing his left wrist, which is... So let me add to the fact that he shot 32% the last three games of that series. Yeah. uh, You know, I honestly... I, I mean, look, he made nine of his last 14 last night, so it wasn't bothering him too much. Uh, All right. Well, I'm not. One, one I'm just saying. Um, and, my know. wife, my wife, who's an avid Indians fan, says, "Oh, well, I don't follow Carlos Carrasco on Instagram." My wife does, and she's a big Indians fan, and she's like, "Oh, Carlos Carrasco's daughter," and um, and uh, she sent me the photo, and I was looking at it, and I go, "Wait a minute here," and of course. All the people that follow Carrasco are Indians fans. Right. Nobody, nobody comments on this gigantic thing on his left wrist. Um, anyway, I just—I mean, I'm not—you know—for all I know, it's no big deal. I'm just saying. You blow <laughs> the like, case open, Wendy. You figured it out. It's <laughs> pretty good. That's Andrew Hahn in Los Angeles. Um, so, well, just, I'm sending—I'm sending texts out. So we'll... just, just, just file that little little nugget away, and you know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, he, but he did recently have a right wrist injury. Like, right, he, yeah, he's been dealing with that for several months. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the intrigue. Please leave a message after the tone. Andrew, if I've heard you say it once, I've heard you uh, say it a thousand times about how hard hiring is. Don't you hate that you have all this power to hire and fire people, but the hiring is so difficult? But I've got some uh, news for you. While hiring used to be hard, and when you do it, you may think it's hard, with all these job sites to go through, these stacks of resumes, confusing review processes, um, you don't need to do all that. We have something new today. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called ZipRecruiter. They make hiring easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter sends your jobs over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. Andrew, they actually go out there and say, 
hey, send this resume to Andrew the Han. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Think about how much time that would save you, Andrew, when you look to hire all of your personal assistants. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash collective, C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Quality win for the Spurs to keep the series alive to go to seven games. Jackie, you probably didn't get to watch much of it because you were... Um... No, I did. I was watching it while I was doing my other thing. Okay. Yeah, multitasking. Um, I'm a parent after all. <laughs> so DeMar DeRozan, who, you know, let's just be honest, does not have a history of, uh, a long history of delivering under the clutch. He, he has done it, but he's had some rough outings in elimination games. Uh, came up big tonight, had a huge game. He did. Well, not, you know, a quality game, 25 points. Yeah, uh, great shot the shooting ball really percentage. Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Played great, really. Um, had a bit of a rough start, but then was terrific in the middle of the game. They got the Spurs leverage, and then they had a uh, they had a they had a, had a flurry to start the fourth quarter, where they basically ended it. Um, Can I and, just say uh, one thing? Yeah, just stop please, you there for one second, please. So you're absolutely right in everything you said, but the first thing. I did when I looked at the box because I was seeing, you know, that DeRozan was playing well. He was 12 for 16 from the floor. Guess how many threes he took? Uh, Zero. Yeah. Zero. That's how how he plays for the Spurs. So that's a bugaboo thing, too. No, that goes back to the postseason, too. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the Spurs shot the ball well from three. It feels to me like in this series, whoever shoots the ball well from three has won every game. Maybe that's not 100% accurate. Feels like it. Aldridge had a good game as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Rudy Gay was good early. Rudy Gay had a good game. Um, to me, what I think is interesting, um, Jokic, with a career game, put up 43 tonight. And so, McMahon, uh, it's game seven, first game seven of Jokic's career. Um, this guy is a top mm. 10 player in the league, a lot of people believe. He made first my second team. team. I, I was going to say made my first team. So Made my first second team. team. First but, team you know, I'm, I'm not arguing with you guys either, yeah. you guys. Um, game seven at home, uh, you know, it wasn't his fault they lost tonight. He had a huge game. He's got to pretty much bring it to that level on, uh, on was it Saturday? Um, that's what you kind of are looking for from him. He, 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 he brought it tonight, and absolutely his first chance to have a, be play in a game where he can eliminate the team, he absolutely brought it. Um, and I guess this is the time of year where he's got to do it again, I assume. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a lot on him. There's a lot on LaMarcus, who was also great tonight. Uh, but this is, man, this is a lot to put on the on the shoulders of the young, inexperienced Nuggets. Uh, I thought it was going to be Spurs and Six. Obviously, that you know they didn't have that opportunity. They didn't give themselves that opportunity. But for, I still believe that the Spurs are going to win this series simply because it's it's – a been there, done that before, for the most part, uh, sort of thing. Certainly, Derek White, outside of his G League playoff run last year, doesn't have that sort of experience. But uh, I don't know, man. I just for a, a young team like the Nuggets, I think all the pressures on them going back home. You're probably right, and DeRozan's got to also bring it. Jackie. Something happened to your guy Jamal Murray tonight. So yeah, I saw that. I um, saw that. So just to, on the briefing here. So uh, the. The Nuggets have been complaining the entire uh, series about Jakob Pertl's screening. They screening. Think he's, yep. Yeah, they think he's moving all around, which, of course, he is. Uh, he's a European yeah, he's young. man. Yeah, he's young. Yeah. yeah, Jokic is stationary on every screen he sets. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, it's funny. Jokic is so big that, I don't know, it's different, right? Like, Jakob doesn't hide it. If, if, he's, if he's trying to, I don't know, it's different. It's, well, it's different because of the way they're built. Even if Jakob Pertl is the number one moving screen setter in the NBA, he'll never approach the Spurs' all-time moving screen leader, which was Luis Scola. Yeah. Uh, I played for a bunch of teams, but just yeah. – Played for in the fact, Rockets. In fact, all those Argentini uh, – Tiago Splitter and um, 
Of course, uh, let's not make it. A, let's Alberto. not make it a. Let's not make it an international thing because J- KG holds the world record. <laughs> yeah, and every time he got called for one, one out of every seventy-five, they got called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looked. He looked as if someone stole his car. Right. So Perkins, Perkins had a few. Uh huh. Yeah. So the uh, Mike Malone made a made an issue of it before the game. He said that he turned. You know, he sent clips to the league, etc. And in this game, uh, Pirtle. I, I, I mean, I guess it was an illegal screen. He stuck his leg out or hip out and uh, caught Murray in the thigh. And yeah. Murray, it was just, you know, it was one of those Charlie horse things. And Murray was really not the same. He had to ride the bike when he was out of the game the rest of the game, really leveled him with it. And, you know, um, he'll be getting booed when he gets introduced uh, right. Saturday in Denver. Um, Murray's recovery from that's going to be important here. I mean, it yeah. was, it was yeah, what things, it was, Jackie. Those things get worse before they get better. I'm sure he'll be doing a lot of, uh, you know, they got to keep it loose, keep it moving. I'm sure they'll be doing some electrical stem. At this time of year, I just feel in every series, there's one key player that's got to be in the training room 24-7 to keep him on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's, just where, that's just where we're at now, you know. That's the time of year. You know, it's Embiid in, in Philly. It's Well, Brogdon can't even get on the court. We've learned now he won't play the first two games, which I was a little surprised by. Yeah. You, know, you know, for the Celtics, it's Marcus Can't Smart. rush a plantar fasciitis injury. No. Well, it's impossible. Yeah. And, you know, Smart was on the uh, treadmill. You should have seen him on the treadmill. I was like, this kid is unbelievable. He's not, he's not going to play either. You can't. You know, these guys are – so every team is dealing with something. By the way, uh, speaking of that, I did check in with a rocket source on the Harden thing, and I got a two-word reply. He's okay. So, well, first off, real-time I, reporting here. Um, so, number on one, I, I mean, obviously, there's, there is something with that wrist, or he doesn't have a big ice pack on it, but he's okay, meaning it's not something that's going to – threaten his availability and they you know sounds like they don't feel like it's something that's going to impact his uh his performance too much you know i mean kind of one of the unbelievable things about Harden's season this year is he he was really banged up for most of the second half of the season remember he had the shoulder the shooting shoulder just before the all-star break the the neck thing that caused him to miss that last win they had in in oracle and then he's been dealing with this right wrist thing for for all season uh, you know, so tough guy. He's okay. Also, I did a, a little real time research. DeMar DeRozan's three point shooting in the year 2019. Any guesses? Any guesses? On makes. Well, let me just have? say before you reveal that that the Spurs were dead last in three point attempts. How many makes NBA. do you th- three pointers made? Do you think DeMar DeRozan has in the year 2019? I mean, I, the way you're asking the question, it's clear that it's a very low number. So I'll say seven. Jackie? No, oh, more than that. Like, but probably twenty. He is zero for six from three point range in two thousand nineteen. Zero for Jeez. one in this series, and zero for yeah. five from New Year's Day on in the regular season. So, I mean, well, it's just totally not a part of his game at this point. I think we're I think we're obligated to mention the Lakers at least once a podcast. You know, <laughs> when Magic <laughs> talked about how the three point shooting game is is, um, you know, I've said this before, but I'll just refresh it before we move on to the Warriors. The Spurs, you know, Magic and Greg Popovich were sounding a lot alike about the three-pointer taking over the game. The difference is that the Lakers had no three-point shooters, and they still and they, they didn't shoot them, and they didn't make them. The Spurs, Greg Pop doesn't like how much three-point shooting there is, but they make them. <laughs> they're 30th yeah. in attempts, yeah. but they're like top three in percentage. Right, but I so, think that's because they're so judicious in the way they take of them. Course. Right? Of course. I mean, that's just what the Spurs are all about. Yeah, I always, I think Steve Kerr, I don't know off the top of my head, but I remember Steve Kerr, his last year at Arizona, I think he shot something like 57% or 53% on three-pointers wow. at Arizona. And he only took like two and a half a game or three a game. Yeah. Well, it's and like I, Steve Nash, and he goes back and looks at it now, and it's like, jeez, I should have launched 10 a game. Well, I said to him one time, I go, my God, Steve, why didn't you take like 10? And he's like, the reason I shot whatever percentage it was, it might have even been 60%. I don't know. It was some crazy percentage. Right. It's because I only took three a game. Yeah, I only took um, the wide open ones. Uh, speaking of the Warriors, um, I'm going to use a conceit from, uh, from the jump, Jackie. Mm-hmm. Um, something, nothing, or everything. Oh, uh, there we go. 
you know, uh, where are you at with, uh, with their situation after last night? With who? I'm sorry. With who? The Warriors. Sorry. Oh, the Warriors. Um, well, listen, it's been the same problem all year for them. They get ahead and they relax. And it's something. We can't say something. We can't say it's nothing because it's, it's been a pattern all year long. They, they, for whatever reason, get too comfortable with themselves and just think, well, I guess they just think, well, we're the Warriors. We're up 30. We got this. And that's a problem. It's a problem. Because if you're, doing it, if you're doing it and losing games in the playoffs because of it, it's a problem. Yeah, or were the Warriors were up 3-1. Clay Thompson, not that 3-1 Warriors ought to be considered automatic. I mean, if anybody knows, that's them. But there's no LeBron on the, on the Clippers. And Clay Thompson, in his walk-off interview after their third one in the series with, with Lisa Salter, says, we know who the opponent is. You know, we, we, we want to close this out and not let the Rockets get too much rest. I mean, he's already talking about the Rockets. Uh, he hadn't even taken a shower after after they go up 3-1. Right, so, but... But see, that to me, I don't know, maybe I'm different than everybody else on this one. That to me is like, the guy just played an incredible game. They just won a game. He's coming off the floor. Those interviews to me are so fraught with peril for that very reason. You're in this stream of consciousness. You know, if you've won the game, you're in this this high, high. If you've lost the game, you know, you're still processing the low lows. So... I give everybody a little bit of a pass when they say stuff like I'm, that. Just coming off the court fresh like that. Look, I do. I, he, was, he was honest. And last yeah, night yeah. he was honest. He's like, yeah, you know what? Oh, it's on me. We, yeah, we, on we me. did look ahead, and, and I'm the number one guy who was looking ahead. Right, and, right. You know, and, and by the way, you don't think the Rockets were thinking about the Warriors before they closed out the Jazz? Of course they were. The difference well, is clearly they blocked they off able- rooms at, in San Francisco. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. They had the plane reserved for uh, – it was a non-refundable uh, right. charter. There we go. Um, so the Warriors' uh, d- defense has been what's alarmed me in this series. Right. Right. They absolutely could not stop the Lou Williams, uh, Montrez, Montrez Harrell, Harrell. Uh, pick and roll. Uh, and Harrell was just brilliant. Um, you know, so here's the thing. The Warriors ranked 10th in defense this year during the regular season. That's the lowest they've ranked in the Steve Kerr era. Although they've been backsliding, which is not a surprise. They've gotten a little older. They've gotten a little bit thinner. And, you know, they care less about the yes. regular season. Um I'll never forget um, after the the Heat lost to the Spurs four one in what was LeBron's last game uh, in the post game locker room. Everybody started retiring. Um, uh, Shane Battier, we, we knew it was a pretty good idea. He retired. Ray Allen, like he ended up retiring, but he we didn't think he was going to retire, and he gave an interview that let us think that he might actually retire. Um, and Battier said, "Look." Um, if you look at the history of the NBA, you got to be a top 10 defensive team to win the title. It happens like 95% of the time. We were like 13th or 14th. I knew we were in big trouble ultimately. And, you know, at the way, earlier in the Heat's run, they were like first or second, and they had slipped defensively that year. Um, and by the way, you go look at those numbers, and that's true. Even Cleveland, even though they were historically over the last few years a horrible defensive team, Go look where they were the year they won the title. In the regular season, they were 10th mm-hmm. defensively, uh, which for a LeBron James team today is a, you know, would be a miracle. <laughs> um, and I always tell people um, they won Game 7 in Oracle 93-89. 89 points they gave up in Game 7. So you have to, you know, there is a little bit of softness there on the Warriors' defense. And in fact, the Warriors, I believe are giving up 112 points per 100 possessions. That's about six points more than they Mm. did in the regular season. So they were 10th on the regular season, and they've gotten worse. So if you're looking for a spot where you say, this is where the Warriors are vulnerable, I think their depth, Jackie? Yeah, their depth uh, especially. And their defense. With Boogie out, you really are thin on that bench. And, you know, I know we all love Sean Livingston. I know I do. I just love the way he plays, how smart he is. But he's... You know he's really dropped off, and he he might retire. Yeah, me. and Igudala, I hate to ever say he's dropped off because he'll just pounce out of nowhere and claw your face off. You know, but he's got his minutes have to be restricted for him to be effective, 
and uh, and so that bench is is very very thin. And I had yeah. somebody refer to to the Warriors bench as a G League bench. Ouch. Well, Iguodala at times has been masterful. And, and Iguodala, Iguodala is obviously is you know a long time one of the best reserves, but. Once you get past that, with Livingston looking like he's on his last legs, you know, I mean, they do have guys who are like McKinney, you know, Quinn Cook. I mean, these are... Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that they're missing Patrick McCaw, like their chance of winning a title is going to come down to Patrick McCaw. But they, you know, and (laughs) McCaw has not exactly been setting the world on fire. But, you know, they could have used him right now, to be honest with you. Um and uh, I will and, say this and, though, I, I think Bogut, even though he's only playing about twenty minutes, Bogut should help them defensively. Bogut in there for for Cousins, I think, actually should make them better. Well, and and Bogut, if they want to kind of mimic what the the Bucks did and what the Jazz did, it took the Jazz a couple games to get right. But then, you know, the Jazz did make it tough on the Rockets in the last few games. Like the Rockets were pretty rough offensively. Bogut's not Brooke Lopez, and he's definitely not Rudy Gobert, but he is that, you know, long, smart, uh, you know, back-of-the-line rim protector who can, you know, I, I, I think they probably had, I'll put it this way, I think they had the Rockets in mind when they recruited Bogut back from Australia. But, see, the thing about that is they did that thinking they were going to have Boogie also, and you yes. cannot play Bogut more than 20 minutes. I wouldn't no. advise it. And, look, the one time, and, look, I mean, like, I'm not going to put a whole bunch of stock in regular season uh, results, but the one time that the Warriors beat the Rockets this year, Boogie ate Capella's lunch. And Boogie was, you know, he got targeted the first time that he played the Rockets, and that was pretty early in his comeback. But Boogie was a big-time matchup problem as far as, you know, getting him the ball on the block for for Capella, and so that was. You, know, you can all you can show me all the Noel Boogie wasn't you know in their best lineup. So that was a blow for them as far as when they when they faced the Rockets. Well, they got to still beat the Clippers, but I mean, um, uh, I, I do th- I do see some weakness in the in the in the Warriors' defense. That said, I still think beating them four out of seven is going to be damn hard. C- Curry mm-hmm. is shooting the ball great. Um, not shooting enough. Don't you that's feel like true. Well, I think he not sort of, enough. I think he took, took a little bit of a step back to try to get Durant going because Durant was sort of out of his game a little bit. Beverly, mm-hmm. um, but Durant's been great the last few games. And then you know Clay, it doesn't mean no Clay is going to is going to deliver. So I, I still think four out of seven is a big ask. Although if I'm the if I'm the Rockets, I'm feeling like. Uh, this is a, this is a surmountable task, for sure. Um, now, and and the Rockets feel like, hey, you know what? Since the All Star break, only the Jazz were better uh, defensively in terms of uh, defensive rating, and so they feel like we're able to grind out wins. You know, offensively, they don't they don't worry about that. Now, having said all that, though, the Jazz generated. More wide open three pointers in the first round than anybody. They yeah, Quinn, shot them. Quinn Snyder was going on and on about shot quality. QSQ, QSQ, quantified right. shot quality, and and he yeah. was right. They had the highest quantified shot quality in the first round. They had the most quote unquote wide open threes. No defender within six feet. They shot wide open threes at twenty six percent. Wide open, uncontested threes at 26%. So, yeah, it didn't help the Jazz. But my point is, I don't think the leave them wide open on the three-point line strategy would work quite as well against the Warriors. Good analysis, McMahon. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you, uh, Jackie, you don't think that the Warriors – well, first off, I want to say, last night, uh, McMahon, uh, down the stretch of that game, Rockets made some pretty high-level defensive plays to, to salt that thing away. Uh, Jackie, you don't think that the Warriors will play the um, uh, no step back defense like the uh, the Bucks and Jazz did, do you? I mean, that's not really their game where they no. put someone well, on James Harden's back. No, no, no. The, the Warriors are going to do what the Warriors do. The war. I mean, if I'm the Warriors, I'm saying, yeah, okay, we've had some ups and downs. We we've had some defensive lapses. What this? this I still think it's a very concerning trend when you get ahead and leads mm-hmm. the way they do. I wouldn't want to be doing that at this point of the year. But having said all of that, I'm the best team. I'm, I'm a dynasty. 
because I'm, I believe that if I'm a Golden State Warrior player. Oh, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to do anything that doesn't feel right to me. The way I'm going to play the way we play, and you're going to have sure. to beat me. <laughs> That's what Steve yeah, Curry said, said, said last night. Uh, somebody asked what his team identity was, and he said, we're the back-to-back champions hanging banners. Uh, yeah, it was goes. a little bit terse, but I liked it. I, I, I was, I was here for it. Um, so, um, uh, I mean, that's. I'm, let's put it this way: I'm very surprised that the Warriors are still playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we and, all are. But you know what? Focus is not going to be a problem for the Warriors next round. Just like I mean, they've been they've been looking forward to playing the Rockets again. You know, they they know the Rockets thought they should have won last year and all that kind. Of of crap and they've heard all that and i mean when the brackets came out and the rockets are sitting there in the four seed of course the warriors were kind of oh man that second round is gonna be fun that's gonna be interesting and the clippers aren't there you know they're not a team that gets takes well to being taken lightly i mean the clippers are a fun play hard scrappy bunch of of dudes with a huge chip on their shoulders so they've made it interesting but look I'm pretty sure we'll see uh, game one on Sunday at Oracle. Well, there's going to be a game on Sunday at Oracle. Uh, I'm flying out there Saturday. I'm going to a game Sunday. It's going to be seven or it's going to be one. Please leave a message after the tone. So let's just say the Clippers force a game seven this weekend and the Rockets players who are already in town uh, want to go to game seven. Uh, yeah, they could call the Warriors, but that's a little awkward to ask for tickets um, when you're going you know, to play them the next round. I don't know if they should call the Clippers because I don't think they're going to be too thrilled with them considering that they assumed that they were going to lose. And where are you going to get a uh, great selection of seats and quality prices if you're a member of the Rockets? I'm going to give you the tip right now. Go to Vivid Seats. They're an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform live, which is what the Warriors will be hoping to not have to do with the Rockets on Sunday. They want to play them on the court, not see them in the stands. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience. You can get a uh, 10% discount off your first a purchase of Vivid Seats with a podcast code HOOPS. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. So new customers can enter that promo code, it's HOOPS, to receive that 10% off your order. All Vivid Seats are confirmed and orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. We haven't had the podcast to have a chance to talk about uh, Damian Lillard from the other night. Ooh. I was uh, unbelievable. By the way, Cajones Factor Player of April is going to be a tough decision. <laughs> I think yeah, he well, wins. He wins on just that last shot alone. He, just the last shot alone. We, I'm we like can going, go ahead and give season him. MVP. I'm watching him like count down, and I'm like, what are you doing? At least take one step closer. What is this? He's in comfortable range, baby. Comfortable range, as he said. Man, the he thing was, about he was, the shot is fantastic. Just was I think they said 37 feet, but whatever. Let's just call it 40 feet. I'll give him 40 feet. Um, it wasn't just the distance. He had to create space. He took a um, – and, and Paul George he, he, Paul George still got a good contest. He called it pound dribble sidestep. And Paul George, who can call it a bad shot all he wants, still – he was out there contesting it because Dame look, Dame started the series with a logo shot and ended it with a logo shot. <laughs> and he heard all of Russ's barking, not just during the series, but all season long, going back to last year. And that is the best shutting up of a rival player I've ever seen. I mean, and and just the uh, the it's 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 gonna it's an iconic shot. It's an iconic shot and an iconic celebration. That's right. The, That's the, the, glance, the, the glancing wave. Oh my goodness! Like, and by the way, instantaneously. Oh, just um, and just like at that point, he just cools. Could be like ah, bye bye. But the but the, the shot difficulty to me, it's not just the distance and that Paul George was on him. It was the fact that he had to create the space with the sidestep. 
but he shot that thing with so much confidence. Oh, clearly. So much, and and dude, for that to be the dagger in the series gives him fifty points. I mean, sends Russ and 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 the you know the Yap and Thunder home. I mean, that was you you couldn't script that any better. So there's been quite a bit of um, calls uh, on the Thunder that they did not trap him that they did not play the same type of defense that the pelicans did last year where they basically said anybody but dame lillard has beaten us Hmm. um it was interesting marcus morris actually gave an interview uh ripping the thunder for not playing his brother more which i respect was that that today yeah i don't know if it was published today it might have been interviews yesterday uh it was with the athletic it was in the athletic oh okay um uh, Jay King had it. Um, uh, but he, in the interview, like, you know, the Morris brothers have no problem speaking out. Uh, basically said that he could not believe, and I, I assume that the other people in the league feel this way, that they did not trap him more. Um, the thing about it is, like, that's the point of Lillard taking 30 footers, is that mm-hmm. if you trap a guy 30 feet from the, from the basket, it makes it almost impossible to recover when you play, yeah, you're, uh, you're four, playing on four on three. Yeah. It's just too much space to recover from. So that's the point of Lillard taking that shot. And I, I think he was what, – what was the number? Was it 12 of 16 on 30-footers? Uh, yeah, in the he, he shot well over 50%. That's why it was funny when Paul George was saying that's a bad, bad shot. It's like, okay, for all but two or three players in the league, you're absolutely right. But unfortunately for you, you were facing one of those two or three. By the way, before I move to the Eastern Conference, I have to say um, – no matter what happens, the Clippers are way, way deep into house money here. Um, not only putting a scare into the Warriors, but just putting on display their style of play oh, for the free, for the free agents. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we all it, – it's not a matter – like the Raptors still their, – their story and their pitch is still to be written. But it certainly feels like it's Kawhi plus – you know, Kawhi plus who to the Clippers. And they'll bring back a bunch of dudes who, like you said, have put a scare in the words. Like the Clippers as a contender next year is not out of the realm of possibility by any stretch. Well, as long as you brought up Kawhi, um, you know, that Raptors-Toronto series wasn't really that paid attention to because um, the Magic, they won the first game, then the Raptors won the rest. The last four games of that series, the Raptors were absolutely dominant. And their defense was terrific. I mean, they, they were they were unfocused in game one. They'll probably lose game one to Philly. Yeah, that's what Just, they do. <laughs> but um, they are a hellacious team. And Kawhi looks phenomenal. And, yeah, a lot of people pay attention to Lowry. By the way, Lowry had a couple other low-scoring games in the series. Nobody cared when they were winning. Uh, he obviously can't have zero, but um, – that team is absolutely loaded. Well, and and, and Siakam's a legitimate star. Stunt. Like, he's a stunt. He, he he is a star. He's not a like wow. It's a nice young. No, he's a star. Well, no, he is. Both Philly and uh, both Philly and Toronto's uh, starters in the last four games of their series. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but they just whipped the opposition, the plus minus. And, um, you know, and Bean's a huge factor, Jackie. He is. He is. And, you know, he's going to be a game time decision for the rest of the postseason. That's Mm. just how it's going to roll. But the thing that I, in the few days I spent with them guys that I really saw, and I want to say for the first time, because I think it's been evolving. But when, uh, in game four, I guess it was when, when Butler got tossed, ejected with the Dudley thing, Watching Simmons and Embiid together, and it's watching the future and the way they played together and the the joy with which they played with one another. If I were a Sixers fan, I would be like, okay, now we're talking because they put on a clinic, those two. And it was it was really something to watch. I think this series is going to be a battle royale. Um, The thing about it is the, the Raptors are deeper. They've they've just you know they've got Fred Van Vliet coming off. They've got Norm Powell who's playing great. 
They got Serge Ibaka. Um, they're just deeper. I, I don't know if that'll make a difference, obviously, Embiid, but I think this is going to be an absolute heavyweight war. And I know that, you know, everyone's going to be focusing on Rockets and we assume Warriors. And then, you know, the Bucks Celtics series is very interesting for a number of levels. But um, holy Moses, am I looking forward? I'm going to be. I'm going to be with the Rockets and Warriors, but I'm going to really try to watch as much of that series as I can because I honestly think that the Raptors have a real chance at winning the title. I mean, I'm not saying it's a mm. 48% chance, but they have got they've got a chance. Uh, and, I, and they've kind of just moved merrily along, and they sat Kawhi a bunch of games, and Lowry missed a bunch of games. And they really didn't have any drama this year. But they have been sharpening themselves, and I know that they're a team that historically lets people down, and I can't sit here and deny that that couldn't happen again. But it's all they, different now, Brian. It's they're all different so now. good. They're well, so they're, good. And they're so different because they don't, you know, I always said the minute Kawhi Leonard got there, the happiest person in the world should have been Kyle Lowry because of the open looks he'd get because of Kawhi. And so, so much pressure has been taken off Lowry, who I don't think handles the pressure. DeRozan always got all the heat for it, but I don't think Lowry was always that great at it either. Now it's almost irrelevant because well, you have and, Kawhi. You and have a new Lowry's coach. now like their number four guy. Well, yeah, and you have a new Siakam's coach. Siakam's their number two. Gasol's, you know, their some number nights, three guy. Gasol seems to move in and out depending on the night. He has some really impactful games and some games where he's not yeah. doing much. But, yeah. So, guys, I'm sorry for all the commotion here, but <laughs> – I was trying to reach Celtics legend all night, and Dave Cowens has just texted me that he is home. So I'm sorry. That's the little dinging you hear. And, oh, uh, do you need to uh, depart? Uh, I, I might need to depart to, spark, to, to, talk, to talk to Big Red. Would you guys be terribly was, hurt if no, I I mean, if, if you're going to dump us, make it for a Hall of Famer at least. <laughs> yeah, duty calls and a good Hall of Famer. One of the best. So, uh, and we're almost done. done yes, we, yes, guys? we are almost yeah. done. Enjoy your Chardonnay and uh, go. No, do no, your, that was all your... fake. That was all funny. I was just trying to make Tim oh, feel okay. better. I got okay, no okay. Chardonnay. Um, all right, I have guys. No shame. All right, all right. Thanks, all right. Jackie. I'll see you again. Bye. Adios, amiga. But, uh, but yeah, McMahon. I just, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I, I know you visited Toronto during the season, and um, for some strange reason, they do. Their home court advantage doesn't translate. You know, Paul Pierce, he got a lot of, of um, flack, and he's still reviled in areas of Toronto. But he, two years in a row, he, he was on teams that, had, that didn't have home court advantage and beat the Raptors, uh, mm-hmm. once with the Wizards, once with the Nets. And he basically has said that it's a great place to play because it's a great environment, but it's not hard in the postseason. And I have to say having been at many, many, many playoff games in Toronto where the visiting team won. Um, I, the atmosphere is incredible, but it doesn't have that edge. So uh, I can still see why they could be disappointing. But um, Well, and they've got to figure out the game one thing. And, you can, and you know, going into this thing, we said, look, Kawhi wasn't there, Gasol wasn't there. You know, this is all different, but they still lost game one. So... That's something yeah. that's a that's a trend that needs reversing pronto. I still think as as exciting as Philly Toronto will be, I think the Eastern Conference Finals are being played in the other series. Yeah, I mean, uh I understand why you say that and um you know the the, the interesting thing that's happened with Boston, two interesting things happened in the first round. One, without smart they they lost a man in their rotation, and the minutes sort of aligned a little bit better, and everybody was sort of happier. Um, uh, they're just better off with nine men, and you know than they are trying to play ten. I think that's part of it. And then uh, secondly, uh, Hayward is playing well, and uh, that's a huge for them. That's a he's an X factor, and and you know Horford was was is playing good on defense. He's an important player for them too, and. And, and they, so, have, you know, they, they, they have the the proven playoff closer in Kyrie. And as as great as Milwaukee has been all season long, Giannis, if he's not MVP, he's certainly a deserving candidate. You know, they've they've won a playoff series, and I, you know the, the experience 
that the Celtics have is a significant edge. So during the regular season, they played three times. Uh, the, the Bucks went two and one. Um, Brad Stevens' game plan in those regular season games was basically to um, single cover Giannis, um, not really camp down on him, and really try to stick to the supporting cast. So Giannis averaged, in fact, for the last two years, he's averaged 30 and 10 against them in the regular season. And Middleton has struggled. Middleton only shot, I think, 34% um, against the Celtics this year. They really focused on slowing him down. So, I mean, maybe Stevens will switch. But the stage is set if they go with that game plan for Giannis to have massive games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and, and look, there's something to be said for, okay, uh, let Giannis get his you know, play him as tough as you can, but don't warp your game plan to deal with him because you don't want to give the shooters around him good looks. I mean, there, you know, there's something to be said for that. Um, and, you know, the problem is you say that and then he goes out and gets 45 and 42 and, and, and whatever makes you look bad. But, the other problem is he just, when he gets into transition, I, I, well, yeah, the game plans don't, there's no game plan for Giannis if he's out in transition. It's I don't great. Know if, I don't know if I've ever seen a more unstoppable force in transition. I mean, maybe LeBron because there's no way to slow him down. LeBron is probably going to end his career as the all-time leading and one. Um, yeah. And one guy. Uh, but Giannis, because of his physical imposing, you know, so you got to keep him out of transition well, and, for sure. And he plays, like, Giannis is a nice guy, great smile in those commercials, but, man, he plays with a fury. And he's coming downhill on you, and he can take off from the you know three point line and dunk it just about. But when he's taking off, those elbows are up. You, know, you step in front of him, you're going to get elbowed in the chest or right. you know a, a a groin in your facial area, uh, maybe one and then the other. <laughs> the, the honest double. Yeah, so uh, I think Giannis is going to have a huge series, whether or and not. And honestly, Smart being out, you know, I, I that's you can talk about. Hey, maybe it's better to have nine than ten. But if there's one guy who can kind of be a pest and get, you know, obviously he doesn't have the the length, but kind of. Well, he's physically he's yeah got some get physical, up under a guy yeah, yeah yeah. But to me, the big factor will be. Uh, I do agree with you. I think in a possession game where it's my ball, your ball, my ball, your ball, and it's tied. The Celtics probably gonna have the edge here, uh, just because of Kyrie and and you know Giannis is not a he can't he's not a reliable shooter. So, uh, but you know that that's that series is gonna have a lot of attention. But I am under the belief that both these series are going to be big time series. And you know, look, LeBron's not there anymore, and I know that there's a big slice of the uh, casual NBA fandom that it will be missing LeBron and won't mm-hmm. turn in to see enjoy. Milwaukee. And- yeah, enjoy Giannis. I would say if you're a casual NBA fan, you might want to check out that well, gentleman because he's pretty look, good at basketball. The, the the folks who make the decisions on the TV, you know, some of them are coworkers. Like they do it for a reason. There's analytics that say it. I mean, there's a reason that we talk about the Lakers a lot. And we write about them a lot on uh, ESPN because they drive traffic. So there is a specific reason why certain games are put in certain slots, and it's it's based in numbers. But the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks were on NBA TV so much, and granted it was a boring series, but America needs to embrace Giannis because, and and really the NBA does too. Well, we're gonna get it. Trust me, he'll he'll get. He's got a stage now, and Celtics Bucks is a. I mean, that's a, that's a series that you don't put the MVP on NBA TV. <sighs> I don't. You know what though, man? That was such a non-competitive series. I hear what you're saying, but Harden wasn't on NBA TV. <laughs> well, yeah. So you have hotels in Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, and Philadelphia. Which two are you going to cancel? For this, for this go round, you do no for the finals. Oh, um, 
So let me just. This Do you really? Are you that far in advance? Yeah, I, I always book my. I don't want there to be. I don't want there to be a scramble. I also, like for example, in a place like Toronto, um, there's a couple of hotels that are really advantageous to be in just to, for the city, and I just want to have them. Um, so by the way, um, within the last 14 days, I booked hotels for the finals in uh, in, in Houston. Um, I do not have hotels in the finals for Philadelphia. What, what, what about Denver, San Antonio and Portland? No, <laughs> no, I, I have, I have Houston, Golden State and I, um, Boston, Milwaukee and Toronto. I do not have Philadelphia. And actually, you know why I take that back. I do have, you get in that five-star residence in Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, I take that back. I do have Philadelphia. It just, it's just not a good hotel. That's why it slips my head. Well, so this is my question. Um, if you have to cancel two of them, which two are you going to cancel? If, if Marriott called me and said, you have too many reservations, sir, on the same days, we, you're not allowed to have four reservations on the same day. I um, I'm an ambassador. I this, can do what I want. This is what uh, this is how Andrew is trying to force me to make a prediction. Oh, okay. He knows yeah. I don't make a prediction. Um, I, I think Toronto and Milwaukee are the two best teams in the East. And uh, I don't know if Milwaukee's ready because I don't, I don't know if Toronto plays. Milwaukee might be. Let's see how Milwaukee would have to play. I mean, Boston's going to bounce Milwaukee this round. I'm not, I, I'm, I wouldn't argue with you on that because uh, I've been talking all year about how Boston's ceiling is probably higher than anyone else's. Um, I, I wouldn't argue with, that, with you on that. But I, I'm telling you, if Toronto gets into the finals, I'm giving them a puncher's chance. They're really, really good. They're, when they are at their best, they are breathtakingly good. They're historically not at their best when it matters. Uh, and they have a first-year head coach. And, yeah, and they, they've got a couple guys that can throw it hard. You know, Ananobi, losing Ananobi really, you know, his status being up in the air, I don't think it'll affect them that much in this series. But if they somehow got to the finals, they would have to have Ananobi back because he had the uh, he had a appendicitis, uh, had to have an appendectomy. Um, and that's just no guarantee. But if he's able to get back, that they would need him. Um, but, uh, I, am I know this again, you know, it was, it was, it was these, you know, one night it was Milwaukee, Detroit on NBA TV. The next night it was Orlando, Toronto. Nobody paid attention to it. You know, everybody's watching guys getting thrown out in, in Philly and Brooklyn and, and everything. I understand that, but, uh, Toronto was really, really impressive in that first round after that first game. By the way, what, what a merciful punishment that was to suspend Sean Marks from watching that ass whooping <laughs> in, the, in the last game. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I mean, Actually, you know what? The, Adam Silver called him at halftime and said, you are not allowed to change the channel. You have to watch <laughs> this whole thing. Yeah, it was, I think it was 30 to nine coming out. Um, which, by the way, is why I give credit to the Clippers because yeah. it's three-one, and and the Jazz played very hard last night too. They did, but the Clippers, you and know, was one for that one. matter, they played hard to avoid the sweep. That's after true. Get, after but, a soul crushing, where you go hard goes three of twenty and you still lose. But you know, both Brooklyn and and the Clippers were coming home one-one, thinking like we got a chance here, yeah. and they get beat two in a row at home, and their backs are broken, and they're just. And Brooklyn got steamrolled, and the Clippers, the Clippers played hard and with a focus and with a drive from the opening tip, and that's the only way they know how to play. And that, and you know, if they get to a game seven, where you know the Warriors would be overwhelming favorites, although that would have meant they had lost two in a row, they would play. will play the same way. So, um, but I'm glad we have some first round. I'm glad we have uh at least two series that are going deep in the first round. I always like that. It's always a bonus. Last year, you know, the Cavs and the Pacers went to seven games and it was uh terrific it was a terrific series. So the I, they, every game was decided very closely. So I'm uh, I'm happy that we have two big games the next couple of nights. Um all right, well thank you for listening to Hoop Collective and on behalf of Jackie Mack and Andrew Hahn and 
Timothy McMahon, who I'm going to be, uh, Andrew Hahn, I'm going to be hanging out with McMahon the next two weeks. I don't think I can hang with him. I'm going to be corrupting him. Wendy's you know, gonna Wendy's gonna pick I, up some bad habits. I drink water and I go and I go to bed at you know on off nights. I go to bed at ten four, especially on the Pacific on the out west where I don't have to stay up late to watch the other games. No, you know what? I honestly, instead of me corrupting you, maybe hopefully you'll rub off on me a little bit. <laughs> I could use a little a little windy influence. Yeah, we, I'm gonna let we, you take me under under your wing. We have dinner. Uh, we 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 go to dinner at like five thirty. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> and we go to our rooms at 7.15. That's the way I roll on off nights. Um, all right. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. Uh, have a great uh, weekend, everybody, and uh, look forward to some good basketball.